0: All right, if you've got your Bibles this morning, I hope you do, turn to Ephesians, turn to the book of Ephesians this morning, and we're going to continue our study on the subject together. Last week was National Back to Church Sunday, and so that was a good day, and I appreciate everybody that came for that, appreciate y'all being here this morning. We uh, said we were going to kind of do a sermon in two parts, we're going to finish that up today, and this is going to tie us in and lead us into uh, the Lord's Supper service this morning as we celebrate together what Christ has done for us. We're thinking about the theme together, and last week we looked at together we find love, uh, together we find peace, and so this week uh, we're going to look at the subject about together we grow stronger, and together we change the world. You've heard it said before that there are strength in numbers, amen, uh, and, and there's truth in that. The reality is, there's, there's, uh, the Bible says where two or three are gathered in my name, there I am in the midst of them. So we love that, amen? Two or three gathered together in the name of Jesus, he's there in the midst of us. Uh, but uh, you, you might have you heard this old saying, I'm, I'm trying to figure out how I want to say this, you might have heard the old saying, God and me make a majority. <laughs> uh, I got news for you. you, you don't even need to be part of that equation. <laughs> God makes the majority, Amen. Uh, But I say that because uh, wherever you are and God is, there is strength. Amen? Uh, In other words, you and I, if you're a part of the body of Christ, you are never actually ever truly alone. And you have God with you, and when you have God with you, uh, he's all that you need. Amen? But it is a wonderful thing when you get two people together who have God with them or twenty people or a hundred people together who have God with them Uh, God just looks on that favorably amen and so when we come together and and when we worship him and uh, he's excited about that he he enjoys being with us when we want to be with each other he wants to be with us but when we want to be with each other he enjoys that even more so Ephesians chapter or just Ephesians this morning we'll tell you where we're going in a minute Um, I want us to think about this thought. Uh, I want us to think about this thought. In a moment, not yet, but in a moment, I'm, I'm going to show you something. But I want you to think about this and see if you can answer this question just yourself, not out loud. What is the largest, what is the largest organism in the world? What is the largest organism in the world? Now, if you're a scientist out there. Or maybe you like to read science news. Maybe that's your hobby. Maybe you're one of those people, right? You know, I don't have anything else to do. I'm going to study science. <laughs> um, uh, so you might, you know, that there's a little bit of dispute, some disagreement on how exactly we measure and decide on the largest organism. And science can't quite, you know, what is an organism? How do we decide that? But I want to show you a picture of what many consider to be the largest organism on earth. All right, go ahead and pop that up for me. There you go. That is a picture of Pando. It's located on the southwest bank of Fish Lake in Utah. It's Pando. Pando is the biggest grouping of aspen trees ever identified. Let's pop up the next picture. It's beautiful. Absolutely. I love that. I chose the fall pictures because... I'm hoping eventually in Georgia we're going to have fall, amen, but uh, but there's that, you show the next one, I'll bring that up, and uh, so there's a view of it around the valley and a river running through, it. beautiful, man, I would live there in a heartbeat, I think we got maybe one more, uh, so this is kind of a drawing that shows you, I want to stop on that for just a minute, because Pando covers over 100 acres, but there is a single root system that unites the entire forest. So when you look at it from above, in the other pictures, you see what appear to be individual trees. But below the surface, they are all linked together by their roots. Literally, every tree is holding up every other tree. And the roots grow unseen under the surface of the earth, but they keep the whole grove alive together as one. I think, um, yeah, let's go and throw the other one up. Absolutely beautiful. Uh, is that the last one? Maybe. Yep, that's it. Okay. So, and we may throw that one back up at the end of the message just because that's actually my, my favorite picture. It's beautiful. And I think of Psalm 1, uh, he shall be like a tree planted by the rivers of water. Uh, amen. And, and so, Pando today is actually threatened. The survival of Pando is actually threatened. People are working to ensure that it's protected and continue to grow stronger. It's threatened by, uh, the trees are threatened by. Um, uh, Uh, insects and things that would destroy the trees, and it's also threatened as much like the rainforest is being threatened by deforestation. So what I want to think about today is how we as believers can be connected as one. Even in the face of difficulties, we can work together to grow stronger. So last week we saw peace. Uh, we find peace together we find love together or experience love together so today again today we today we're going to look at we grow stronger and together we change the world so in ephesus we had a group of believers who faced challenges much like the world faces today okay uh, there were a group of people living in a fast-paced city. They were surrounded by all kinds of religions, various philosophies. They were a multicultural mix of people themselves, Jews and Gentiles, trying to figure out how to, how to live together, how to live out their lives together, how to live out their faith in Jesus. Like believers in the early church at Ephesus, we today have committed to journeying together. If you're a part of the body of Christ, you are on a journey together. You are not going through this life alone. When you become a child of God, you are immediately a part of a family that has been Bigger than any family this world has ever known. Do not ever say, do not ever let the devil say to you, don't ever let the devil let you think. Don't ever get in your mind, in your heart, that if you're a Christian, you are ever alone. You are not. Even when you're sitting in your home alone, not only is God with you, but you are still a part of a family, and there are believers, whether you know it or not, who are thinking about you, who know you, who are praying for you. Amen. And and if we do it right, in fact, there are times in much of my prayers, I spend praying for the body of Christ that I don't even know. You know, it's okay. Did you know that it's okay to pray for another church? While we're praying for God to bless First Baptist Church of Mableton, it's okay to pray that he would bless First Baptist Church of Atlanta, First Baptist Church of Dallas, First Baptist Church of Douglas, and Second Baptist Church, and all these other churches. It's okay to pray for other believers that you and I have never even met. In fact, that's one of the things that makes us stronger. And we're on this journey together, and we want to support each other, and we want to learn how to live together in the body of Christ. So, in the book of Ephesians, I want you to turn and look at, uh, we're going to look at chapter four. Let's go to chapter four to start with this morning. God's master plan was to bring humanity together in Christ, to do away with all of the divisions, Everything that he had to do at the Tower of Babel when he confounded their tongue and the nations were divided, everything after the flood, everything that happened with the dividing of humanity, God in Christ brings humanity back together. And when he does that, we experience his presence in amazing ways. And so when we look at Ephesians, and, and I'm trying to find my spot because I don't want to skip this, in the first part of the book of Ephesians, here it is, Paul is dealing with God's redemptive plan throughout history. It's how he brings us together. But now the, 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 the passage shifts, the book shifts, and in, in chapter 4, verse 1, I therefore, the prisoner of the Lord, beseech you, and, and the, the therefore is key. That's a magic word. I think I've shared this with you for, uh, before, and I'm going to share it with you again. That word therefore in the Bible is a magic word. Whenever you find the word therefore, you need to find out what it's there for. Amen. Uh, therefore always follows something. It always comes after something God has told us, which makes what he's about to say, helps us to understand that and why he's about to say what he said. So because of the gospel, because of Christ, because of salvation and how he's made out of all tribes, all nations one, where in Christ there is neither bond nor Jew, slave nor free, white, black, Jew, Gentile, rich, poor, but we are all made one in Christ. Therefore, because of what Jesus has done, then... And that's where we go in the passages. Now we're moving to where we go next. Therefore, because of what Christ has done for us. And so with all lowliness and meekness, with long suffering, forbearing one another in love, endeavoring to keep the unity of the spirit in the bond of peace. And then look at verse 15 and 16. This is what he says in Ephesians 4, verse 15 and 16. But speaking the truth in love, That we may grow up into him in Christ in all things, which is the head, even Christ, from whom all the body perfectly fit together and compacted or joined by that which every joint supplies. According to the effectual working in the measure of every part, making increase of the body unto the edifying of itself in love. In other words, every joint, every ligament, just as in a human body, all the sinews, all the joints, all the bones, everything is connected and comes together to make one body that works together. So the body of Christ comes together, each part playing its own role for the purpose of moving as one representative of God in Christ before the world and so we come together and when we come together we are made strongers um are made stronger have you ever visited or seen the headwaters of a great river like if, if i were to talk about name some of the rivers the amazon the nile and you could you see pictures the thames river in england you look at these rivers you can see a big giant river but have you ever seen the the chattahoochee we live in everybody knows the chattahoochee river right we live in georgia the chattahoochee river Have you ever seen the start or the very beginning point of the Chattahoochee River? I have. It's in a mountain in North Georgia off of the Appalachian Trail. When I was a child, when I was younger, I was at a camp and we hiked all the Appalachian Trail in Georgia uh, and, and had the privilege of camping on this mountain and we went down You you camp on the trail, you go off the trail, you camp at the top of the mountain, but when you go off the trail, they have the water markers, and you follow the water markers down to this place, which most people believe and is considered in Georgia to be the head of the Chattahoochee River. Now, it's an incredible thing to see, the start of the Chattahoochee River. It's a hole in the ground, about that big, and there's just a little trickle of water coming out of it and you take your canteen and you sit down there and in about 30 seconds or so you can actually fill up that canteen and you watch and you look and the water just trickles down and at one point you actually don't even see the water it just disappears back under the ground and it trickles out and you can look and you can look as far as you can see down the mountain and you don't even know where the water goes. But eventually it pops up again and as that little trickle of water is flowing down it It reaches places where the water comes together and then it flows a little more and then it comes together again and then it flows a little more and then it comes together and it keeps doing that until you stand on the banks of the Chattahoochee River and you're looking at this massive, wide, flowing river of water that all started with just a little trickle and a hole in the ground on the side of a mountain in the North Georgia Mountains. And every river starts that way. Individual drops of water... From, that, that become raging forces of nature that, that, that carve out things like the Grand Canyon. You look at the Grand Canyon and you look at the, at, at the water flowing through that and, and you think about that, and, and which we're not going to argue about how long it took for that to happen this morning, amen? <laughs> but the fact that God did it, the fact that water moves and shapes the landscape, that a small trickle of water won't do a whole lot, but you get enough water together, and it becomes incredible. We just experienced that, or we didn't experience that, but the Bahamas experienced that. Our nation experienced. We've seen that from hurricanes, when water comes from above. You get enough water together, you get flooding, and and it not only is it a, uh, a water a wonderful thing, but it can be a powerful and deadly thing when you get enough. Of it together. And and the idea of that, beloved, is that in the body of Christ, and, and I want to say this the right way, that you get enough of us together, we should be as powerful as any raging river, and we ought to be as threatening to the wickedness of this world as any flood. That's why the Bible says that the righteousness of God will come in like a flood and destroy everything. That is against God. Strength in numbers. When water comes together, it's incredibly powerful. And when the church comes together, beloved, we are beyond incredibly powerful. And that's how God meant it to be. Amen. That's why not only when we can come together, when one church, when one congregation is truly united. And that miracle occurs when you have that church that is so powerfully united in God and in Christ. But when that church can actually get together with another church. And those churches get together with other churches. When the body of Christ stretching and reaching out arm in arm, coming together, not just in little pools of individual churches, but when numbers of churches come together and and, and begin to work for God, the, the, the things that they can accomplish for God, you and I can't even begin to imagine or describe there's a reason why before Billy Graham would go into any town and do any crusade he required years of preparation it had to come he had to get a request not from one church but it had to come from numerous churches different denominations different racial cultural backgrounds they had to come together they had to meet uh, for a time of prayer they had to decide they wanted to invite him to come they would send the invitation they had to spend X number of days and weeks and months in prayers they had to committees they had to work together they do all of these things and if it Anywhere along the way, if there was any sense that that, that Billy Graham got or that his, his board and the leadership of the ministries got, that the unity was not there, he would not go. That's why when he went, he packed stadiums and thousands of people came not because of who Billy Graham was, but because of the prayer and the efforts of the church that went into it beforehand and God moving in the hearts of people so that they would come and stand before one man who was faithful to preach the gospel of God so that when he gave the invitation, thousands of people came and got saved. And it didn't have anything to do with who Billy Graham was. It had everything to do with who God was and what happens when God's people come together. So much so that when I was down in Albany, Georgia, I was in Smithville, Georgia in a small church, and in Albany, Georgia, there's a church, little church. You might have heard of it, Sherwood Baptist Church, pastored by a guy named, guy named Michael Cat. Don't know if you've ever heard of him. They make movies now, right? The churches wanted to bring the Billy Graham evangelistic team in for a mini crusade for Albany. And, and the churches were coming together, and we had that first meeting. I remember being in that first meeting. And I remember us talking about what it was involved and the prayer was involved. And I said, this is exciting. This is going to be great. And, uh, and, uh, and, and, and we were praying. And, and, and we met. And they said, we'll meet again. And then we didn't meet again. I never got the email. I, never got, I don't know what happened. And God moved me shortly after that. A lot of other things. And I, and I forgot about it. And I thought, whatever happened to that revival? And so I was talking to Brother Michael. Uh, several years later, I met him. And I was talking to him. And he remembered me. I used to go to his church, and we met together. He discipled me. I talked to him. He, he had lunch with me. I love him. He's an encourager in the faith. And I remember he and I were talking, and I said, whatever happened to that great revival? He said, he said that didn't last a week. I said, why not? I almost don't want to tell you the reason why. This still breaks my heart to this day. But the bottom line is, There were people in Albany who went to a church that was known to be this color who didn't want to be in the same building as a group of people who were this color. And I forgot his name, and to make it even more interesting at the time, the 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 one that they were actually wanting to bring to preach the crusade, it wasn't Billy Graham. He has other men that preach his conferences and his many crusades. The man they wanted to bring, and I forgot his name, was a very gifted, powerful preacher of the gospel who just happened to be black. And at that time, and I can tell you from experience, that part of Georgia Anybody who thinks racism's dead or racism's only in Birmingham, Alabama, or in Atlanta, no, you could have visited Albany and you'd have found out real fast that we still haven't figured out that when you put your faith in Jesus Christ, God does not care whether you are white or black. And so you have, (laughs) you have Christians trying to survive with their own roots. No, when we come together and when we are one in Christ, it is a powerful thing. It is a powerful thing when God moves in his church and the Holy Spirit catches on to the fact that in Christ. Let me give you some scripture. You know, first of all, in Genesis chapter 1, that when Adam was in the garden, God saw that it was not good for him to be alone. So he created Eve. He made a companion for him. I'm not going to preach on that one this morning, but the fact that he made, well, anyways. Adam and Eve in the garden. Amen. Amen. And he brought them together, be fruitful and multiply, introverted, extroverted, it doesn't matter your personality or style. We as humans are created for relationship and those relationships will only be what they need to be and what we want them to be when we find the fulfillment of those relationships in a shared relationship with Jesus Christ. There are a lot of people in this world that I have nothing in common with because of their racial background, their cultural background. But I have a lot in common with them in the fact that we have both been saved by grace through Jesus Christ. And while there may be plenty of things that you and I and other people, we get together and we don't know what to talk about, there's plenty that we have that we can talk about. And we can talk about grace and we can talk about salvation and what it means to be a child of God. Amen. Quickly. Ecclesiastes 4 9 through 12 and this ties in to the pando <laughs> two are better than one because they have a good return for their labor I just I'm, I'm remodeling a room downstairs I'm making a craft room because uh, because I'm, I'm crafty not sneaky crafty there's a difference amen. And my wife, and she's crafty. She wants to have a room. I have a man cave. I have my little study, so we're making now. I have a man cave. She's going to have a woman's cave, but, but I'm going to be in there with her because I'm crafty. Amen. I, it's, I told somebody, I was told at the conference this weekend, I said, I scrapbook. And if you have a problem with that, I know kung fu. And about five other Chinese words. But that doesn't have anything to do with anything. <laughs> it's okay to scrapbook. Amen. I was going somewhere. Oh, drywall. I had to put drywall up. Have you ever tried to hang drywall by yourself? No, because you're smart, amen. <laughs> I did, I got the drywall, I put and it it's okay when you're cutting, but when you take that full four by eight sheet of drywall and you got to pick it up and muscle it on the wall, and the bottom part's fine, but when you got to get that piece up on top of the other piece, and you're in there by yourself, and you, I, it's, and you, when you get that, whew, man, I'm going to tell you what, I got it done, but you know what would have made it a whole lot easier if I'd have had just one other person with me? Two other people would have made it great, huh? Oh, no, 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 no. I did a ceiling once, and I used quarter-inch drywall. I used the thinnest drywall I could find, and I put it up in tiny sections, and that's the last time I will ever do that, brother. Amen. (laughs) Back to the Ecclesiastes. (laughs) Two are better than one because they have a good return for their labor. If either of them falls down, one can help the other up. But I pity anyone who falls and has no one to help them up. Also, if two... Lie down together, they will keep each other warm, but how can one keep warm alone? Though one may be overpowered, two can defend themselves, and a cord of three strands is not quickly broken. And then in Ephesians chapter 11, or chapter 4 verse 11, the Bible says that God gave gifts to the church. He gave some apostles, some prophets, some evangelists, some pastors, some teachers, for the perfecting of the saints, for the work of the ministry, for the edifying of the body of Christ, till we all come in the unity of the faith and of the knowledge of the Son of God, unto a perfect man to the measure of the stature of the fullness of Christ. He gave gifts for the perfecting of the saints, for the work of the ministry. And we talked about this in the conference this weekend when the pastors mentioned, the job of the pastor is not to do the work of the ministry, The job of the pastor is to equip the saints to do the work of the ministry. And the pastor does the work of the ministry that he's called to do as a fellow saint in the work of the ministry. But he's not called to do everything because he's the pastor. As you go through this transitional process and as your search committee works and looks to call a man who's going to lead this church then that's exactly what we should be looking for, a man who will lead us, a man who will lead you to do what God has called you to do together. If you're looking for one man to do it alone, then you might as well go ahead and cut this building in half, get rid of half of the rooms you have, you're not gonna need them because one man cannot do it alone. But oh my goodness, when the day comes, I'm not a prophet, I don't have the gift of prophecy, but I know my Bible, so I'm just gonna, say this and let God take it and you take it when the day comes one two how many years from now and he has brought you through this process and your new pastor is standing behind this pulpit and he is looking out there and these pews are full and this church is full and the choir has to stay up there while the preacher's preaching because there aren't any seats left out there anymore When that day comes, and once again, Mableton First Baptist Church of Mableton is the lighthouse that God wants it to be and conquering the world for Christ. Then, then it will happen, and you will know it is because everybody, everybody is doing the part that God has called them to in the body of Christ. To hold each other up and to carry on the work of the ministry. Together, we are strong. Together we are one. Growth requires change. <laughs> Wait a minute. I don't like that, preacher. Can we move on? Nope, sorry, got if you had to talk about that. <laughs> growth requires change. Amen. We're gonna grow, we can't stay the same. By definition, that's, that's not growth. Amen. Growth requires change. Change. I don't like that word change. I don't like that word either. Church members don't like it. Preachers don't like it. And yet we all, and then we're all trying to change each other whether we know it or not. <laughs> change. Nobody likes change. How many Baptists does it take to change a light bulb? Zero. Baptists don't change nothing. <laughs> well, amen. <laughs> Oh, there's strength in numbers. We are one. Growth requires change. Growth requires change. Change does not occur overnight. It is slow and takes work. We talked about that in the Sunday school lesson today. We talked about the consequences of our actions, especially when those actions disobey God. We think that we've done something wrong. We think that we've disobeyed the word. God didn't see it. Nothing's going to happen. No, he saw it, and there's always going to be consequences. They may not be immediate, and sometimes it takes years before we fully understand those consequences. But by the way, beloved, that's the truth of the church, too. We're going to get on our faces before God and seek the power of God. We're going to get our hearts right with God, and he's going to move, and he's going to change in our life, and he's going to do things in our life. He's going to honor and glorify himself through us. But, beloved, the the things that he wants to do, it's just not going to happen overnight. It's going to take time. It's going to take work. And while we want to try and control things, we have to let God be in control. The church will never be a perfect place. It'll never be a perfect group because it's always going to be made of imperfect people. We know this. We accept this. But we never use it as an excuse and we don't settle for habits or practices that we know fall short of God's glory and the calling of Christ in our life. And so we encourage each other, we edify each other, we come together, and we change the things that need to be changed. And I've said this before, and I'll say it again, you'll probably hear me say it again in the time that I serve as your transitional pastor, this might be hard for us. It's okay, it's okay, it's okay for a ministry in the church to die, especially when the death of that ministry is what is paving the way for a new and better ministry that God has in store. That's not okay for all the ministries just to die. That's never good. Amen? But when we look and go, man, I remember when we used to do that. And if we let the devil pull us back into the past and cling to that like we've somehow failed. And and instead of turning and looking with the eyes of God, say, yeah, I know you used to do that. And I bless that. But look what you're doing now. Amen? That's what it means to be together in the body of Christ. Well, together we're strong, and then together we change the world. Um, I got a few minutes. Good. Okay, we're good. Maybe. Not really. I'm gonna. I'm gonna all right. <laughs> together we change the world. Together we find peace. Together we experience love. Together we grow stronger. But together we change the world. I'm gonna. I'm gonna, I'm gonna do this one quickly. I'm gonna do this one quickly. Ephesians chapter four verse 32 and we'll read chapter 5 down to verse 2 Ephesians four thirty-two: be you kind one to another tender-hearted forgiving one another even as God for Christ's sake has forgiven you be ye therefore there's that word again followers of God as dear children And walk in love as Christ also has loved us and has given himself for us an offering and a sacrifice to God for a sweet-smelling savor. But fornication and all uncleanness or covetousness, let it not be once named among you as become saints, neither filthiness nor foolish talking, jesting, which are not convenient, but rather giving of thanks. And I read beyond what I wanted to read because Paul is telling us in Ephesians here, God is telling us as Christians... How we should live and how we should act. I wanna, I'm going to close. I'm going to try and close with this. I want you to think about superheroes. I want you to think about superheroes. Superheroes are big right now. You know, we just went through several years of Marvel Universe. They just told that big, 10 years telling the story of the Infinity Stones and all that and the Avengers. And, and I'm, I'm a, I grew up reading the comic books. I loved the movies. They're full of hero, heroism, courage, redemption, all the things I look for, hope, uh, and all these things. We think about superheroes. Who would you think is your greatest superhero? Who would you think is a great superhero? Can I, can I say that, can I say that I think, and and this isn't from me, I got this from part of the information they gave, for the Back to Church Sunday, I read this and I thought, this is being, I'm going to preach this, let's see where this goes. Can I suggest to you that one of the greatest superheroes is a real person who actually lived by the name of. Mr. Rogers. <laughs> they got another movie coming out. Tom Hanks plays Mr. Rogers. He's going to tell his story and, and who he was. Why in the world would I think Mr. Rogers was a superhero? Well, first of all, if you know anything about the story about Mr. Rogers, you know that he was an ordained minister, that he was a preacher of the gospel, that he was a Christian, that even though he's not with us today, he's in the presence of heaven. We need to meet him one day. And I, I and I'm sorry. I, I, you know where I'm going with this. I cannot wait. I cannot wait till I walk through pearly gates on a street of gold and hear him singing. It's a beautiful day in the neighborhood. I mean, <laughs> I mean right before we sing "Amazing Grace," you know. And <laughs> why was he a superhero? Superheroes are often very proud, very powerful. And you could see it when they admit that, oh, I'm a superhero. But Mr. Rogers is a quiet, humble man who never made much of himself, but he loved to magnify other people. That's what his whole show was about. I've always wanted to live in a neighborhood with you. I've always wanted to live with a neighbor like you. Won't you be, please won't you be my neighbor? Howdy, neighbor. (laughs) Amen. You cannot watch that show and be mad at anybody or anything. You just, just, as soon as it starts, you're just like, I don't know. (laughs) He just had a way of just reminding us in his soft-spoken way. Superheroes usually have sidekicks. Mr. Rogers built his entire career out of making other people feel welcome and included, like, not that they were his sidekick, but that he was theirs. Hmm. Isn't that interesting? I still love the fact that one of the most significant things Mr. Rogers ever did, and you can look up the video and they talk, and they put it on Facebook and talk about this, was back in the day when 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 we were arguing, and, and, and this has been on my heart recently, because it's, it's in the news, it's still something. we got to figure this out as a nation. The church is going to have to solve the problem. But the way we hate each other for the wrong reasons, for class, for color, it's just... It's, it's, We've got to figure that out in the church. We've got to figure out that Jesus came to do away with that nonsense. Find out how to love each other the way that God wants us to love each other. Amen? And, 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 I, and I remember when he had that episode where at the time when, when people were not being allowed to swim in certain swimming pools because of the color of their skin. And he has that episode where it was a hot day and he has a little tiny inflatable pool in his backyard with some water in it and the mailman comes and the mailman who happened to be black and he says it's a hot day wouldn't you like to cool off your feet with me in this little swimming pool and the two of them took off their shoes and socks and put their feet in that pool together in that pool of water together (laughs) Wouldn't wouldn't it be great when the when the church takes the lead like that when the church shows the world that we come together in Christ together we change the world I said this at the conference this weekend. I'm, I'm looking forward to the day, and I don't know that it'll happen until Jesus comes back, but I'm looking forward to the day when we stop talking about that white church down the road, that black church down the road, that Hispanic church down the road, and just start talking about that church down the road. When somebody walks into the church and says what kind of church is this? It's the kind of church God wants it to be. It's the kind of church it's supposed to be where everybody's welcome and God is magnified and the focus is on Jesus and nobody else. Together we change the world and beloved we need to change this world. We need to recognize the eternal. We need to recognize the eternal truth together. We're sharing a purpose that we need to fight for community. We need to fight for each other because ultimately it's not going to matter in this life, in this world. It's not going to matter whether or not you lived and died as a white man, a black man. The only thing that's going to matter is whether or not we lived and died with our faith in Jesus Christ. We need to recognize the eternal, and we must stay connected. We must stay connected. Dream big, act small. I didn't touch on that. Dream big, act small. Think about how we can change the world. Think about what we want to do for God, but, but, but keep ourselves small in that process. Don't ever become so big that it's about you, about me, about it. Recognize the eternal. Stay connected. Do not ever forsake the church. Hebrews 10, 23. Well, Ephesians 6, 10 and 12. Back to Ephesians. Okay. Finally, my brethren, be strong in the Lord and the power of his might. Put on the whole armor of God. You may be able to stand against the wiles of the devil. For we wrestle not against flesh and blood, but against principalities, powers, rulers of the darkness of this world, against spiritual wickedness in high places. And then in verse 18, praying always with all prayer and supplication in the spirit and watching with all perseverance and and supplication for all saints. Not just the white saints, not just the black saints, not just the Baptist saints, not just all saints. Praying for everyone who's put their faith in Jesus Christ. We need to recognize the eternal. We need to stay connected. I'm skipping a lot. Together we find peace. Together we experience love. Together we grow stronger. Together we change the world. We need to pursue being together in love. I want First Baptist Church Mableton to be a place where every single person is welcome and we come together in Christ. In Christ. And this is how Paul closes his letter in Ephesians, chapter 6, verse 23 and 24. (laughs) Peace be to the brethren and love with faith from God the Father and the Lord Jesus Christ. Grace be with all them that love our Lord Jesus Christ in sincerity. Amen. Amen. That, Paul said that. I say amen. I just, just so you're not confused there, that's Paul's amen. And then I'll put mine on the end of it too. Together, together we change the world, together. Beloved, together this morning, we're going to share the Lord's Supper. In just a moment, we're going to share the Lord's Supper. Together, we're going to commission the search committee with an incredible task, an incredible challenge. Together, together by God's grace, we're going to see Mableton changed for the glory of God. So I want us to bow our heads and pray for just a moment. And as we bow our heads in prayer, we're going to have an invitation time before we go into the Lord's Supper. I'm going to read it again in a minute. I'm going to jump to a different text. We're going to read about the Lord's Supper. And the Bible says in Corinthians, in 1 Corinthians about the Lord's Supper, it says, Let every man examine his own heart. Let every man examine his own heart. And see if there's anything in there that we need to confess, that we need to give to God before we partake of the Lord's Supper. Because if we don't confess, if we, if we take this, if we do what we're about to do, and there's some, some bitterness, some anger, some sin in our heart, something in our life that doesn't belong there, then we are doing it unworthily, unworthily, and we're actually bringing the judgment of God upon our own heads. The worst way you could partake of the Lord's Supper is to do it without ever knowing that you've ever actually trusted Christ as your Savior. If you're here this morning and you don't know what it means to be a child of God, it's as simple as praying, God, I'm a sinner and I can't save myself. Lord Jesus, you died for me. Forgive me of my sins and save me. And I'm trusting in you. If you're here this morning and you're a Christian, say, yeah, I'm a Christian, but I I have something against my brother. I have something against a coworker. I'm holding something in my heart that's not pleasing to you. God, forgive me. You can do that right here, right now. Ask him to forgive you. Cleanse your heart and say, God, help me to be a part of the body of Christ. Help me to be together the way the scripture wants the church to be together. If there's any decision you need to make, the altar is open. I'll be down front. I'd love to pray with you, pray for you. Whatever God's laid on your heart, we're going to sing, we're going to do that, and then when we're done, we'll move into the time of the Lord's Supper. Father, thank you for this morning. Thank you for hearts and lives. Thank you for together. Thank you for what it means to be together in the body of Christ. Help us to find the strength in that. Help us to move beyond seeing race and class and all the things in the world that would divide us. Father, help us. Help us in a special way to come together this morning as we remember who Christ is and, Lord, what you've done for us and what this service means. For your glory and your honor.